Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 17th of January, 2019. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beatsock Internet Marketing. And um, we have a literally legendary show for you today. Joining us after first break is um, broadcasting and advertising legend Terry O'Reilly, um, author of several books in advertising and uh producer or co-producer of hundreds, literally hundreds of award-winning podcasts and radio broadcasts on the art of advertising. He's our guest for the uh, for the second segment of this show. And Dave, you set this up, but man, I am so excited. Yeah, I, I know. I know. This is one of the, one of the big ones. For, for the, the few listeners who may not know, uh, Terry O'Reilly. Uh, but we've got some exciting news about, and uh, I'll leave this for him about about his show. Um, but this is, and, and, and I've read the books. Um, yeah, this is you. You're prepared to learn. Sit down, buckle up, grab a coffee. Prepare to learn. You know, it's funny. A lot of Canadian kids of our age wanted to grow up to be Terry O'Reilly, the hockey player, but. <laughs> A lot of other kids of our age wanted to grow up to be Terry O'Reilly, the broadcaster. I'm one of the I'm one of the latter kids. <laughs> yeah, and that's why we do what we do. Um, so we have hardly any time, but one of the big stories we get to talk about with Terry. So one of the big stories we wanted to talk about, um, you know, that this week in in marketing and uh, and web. Um, so, but what do we want to cover? Because we only got like 15 minutes of this show to to talk about news. Okay, we are we are we're going to. Uh, Cut the Gillette stuff out till later. Uh, I'm just going to cut that back to later. Uh, here's one that really ticked out. I mean, if you're a webmaster, especially in the age of, of Google mobile first and having to have fast documents, this is one that would really tick you off, really ticks me off. Um, if you're a GoDaddy customer, you notice your pages are slowing down suddenly. There's a reason for that. We can explain it. Um, heck, you might even notice that your site stops working. GoDaddy is adding a JavaScript uh, uh, code into 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 their, their into people who are hosting on GoDaddy without your permission. They're adding this code to your site, and um, I mean it's a, it's a it's a new JavaScript call, so it can slow things the hell down. D- d- have you ever heard of a hosting company doing something like this, Dave? Uh, no, no. I I'd like to, I was like racking my brain. I'm like. <laughs> Not unless you kind of knew they had to, like one that was built on a CMS, right? Like, okay, but but then you would have made an agreement with them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and it's necessary. Um, you know what? I, I remember once upon a time, and this is like nail in a coffin that was pretty much already closed. But I remember once upon a time, you and I working together, not a stone's throw from where I am right now doing this show. Um, over at uh, at the at the step four shop, and uh, at that time, GoDaddy had and I don't know if you remember this, but basically, Googlebot was eating up too much of their bandwidth and causing them problems, so they just blocked Googlebot. 
<laughs> just like plants, right? Um, you know, and of course there was a backlash to that. Now, I, I thought they'd kind of learned about doing stupid stuff, <laughs> um, and uh, it turns out they didn't. So, yeah, like this isn't part of the agreement. I'm actually wondering if there might be a decent case for um, for some lawsuits or or some challenges on them. Because it's it's not okay. It's not part of the implied or or formal agreement at all. In fact, it should be clean. So, yeah, it's it's, it's horrible and a, and a big black eye for for GoDaddy. In some cases, there was direct harm caused in that the JavaScript broke people's sites. Like they yeah. they honestly they stopped working, and then and, and and for the longest time, web, for a day or so, webmasters had no idea why. For other people, especially if you're running like an AMP site or, or AMP pages just crawls things to a slow yeah and that might knock your rank that might affect your ranking at google which in the you know the long run might affect your income so real damage could have happened from this yep yep okay. i have no doubt it did so yeah anyway speaking of, speaking of real damage happening from stupid things which we we do often on this show <laughs> um, <laughs> YouTube is uh, has finally announced that uh, things like the Bird Box Challenge, the Ice Bucket Challenge, the um, Tide Pod Challenge, and the Boil Yourself in Lead Challenge have uh, been cancelled, basically. Uh, YouTube won't let you make or publish uh, videos of you pouring water over your head or walking through traffic blindfolded. If you think it's a good idea to videotape the passenger in your car jumping out in freeway traffic to do the Kiki Challenge, YouTube isn't going to publish it anymore. <laughs> and if you're currently drawing traffic from those videos, you got like 30 days to remove them or YouTube will do it for you. Yeah. I People are stupid, man. Like the bird that... Uh, for t you know, you know how stupid I am. For two weeks, I wanted to encourage people to do the bird the bird box challenge, especially on the extremely busy road in front of my my window, because I'm a copywriter and that gets boring. Um, <laughs> and I just don't get enough excitement here in North Toronto. So, but but I can't do that anymore because YouTube has uh, finally said they're no longer going to publish videos of people doing incredibly stupid stuff like eating Tide Pods. Yeah. And good. It's funny, like, I say and good because this is just common sense. Um, on one hand, like, as a content producer and a, you know, promoter of, you know, free speech, um, you know, there is that part of me that goes, ooh, that's a slippery slope. I don't like it. Like, it's not illegal, so you shouldn't judge. At the same time, I go, you're a company that gets to decide <laughs> like what content you're not saying this video is illegal and it can be produced you're just a company going you know we're, we're not going to show it but you're the largest company and you're where people go I mean not the largest in the world but you know right up there anyway and certainly for, for us accessing information so you know where, where does that line get crossed at the same time as a human being who saw that report with the cops had to issue going I can't believe we have to say this don't drive blindfolded Right, like because somebody, <laughs> um, yeah, there was an accident because somebody was driving doing the bird box challenge, and the cops are like, We didn't think we were ever gonna have to tell people this, 
don't drive with a blindfold. And yeah, they, they were in an accident, right? Of course they were. You don't drive with a blindfold. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, bad news. A bad news story, man. I'm so sorry about this, but I got to throw this one in because we, we got to report this in this segment. Um, yep. Legendary German SEO, Rolf Goetz, uh, passed away this weekend. Um, oh. You might have known him as Mr. Friday Night. He was one of the best known SEOs in Europe. He was considered an integral figure in the growth of the German SEO industry. And he was also a colleague of ours, man. He was a webmaster radio show host. He co-hosted mm -hmm. Webmasters on the Roof. He participated in 106 episodes on that show. Now, Rolf was uh, Rolf was uh, was one of those. He was an SEO's SEO. His career had like placed him in that really rarefied place where uh, he got to work on mostly on his own projects, but he got to choose what companies or individuals he worked with rather than the other way around, having you know clients choose him. Right. Um, I'm not sure what he died of. I just uh, saw the notice from Marcus Chandler um, a couple of hours ago. But, uh, but yes, yeah, it's, it's sad. If uh, There's a lot of people who uh, Rolf had come across to do a, speak at a number of conferences in, in North America. So a lot of people over here knew him. And a lot of people who went to uh, do conferences in, 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 to conferences in Europe obviously knew him. So, yeah, sad news. That is sad news. Thanks, Jim. Well, you know, rest in peace, Rolf, Rolf Gotts. He, uh, he was one of us. Um, and uh, he was a, he was one of the one of the founders of our industry. Indeed, indeed, much respect. Okay, do links matter still? That, we gotta move forward. Um, we have uh, Terry O'Reilly coming up in um, about five minutes. Got a few more stories to cover, and uh, Eric has published this story. Um, I'm sorry, has published this study. What was Eric King from from uh, formerly of Stone Temple, now proficient? Uh, sorry. Now proficient, just for people. Now proficient. Thank you. I was just looking that up. Um, well, anyway, Eric has published this what since like 2013 or so. Um, yeah. So this would be like the sixth edition of the Do Links Matter study. I think he knows what he's talking about at this point. <laughs> um, so anyway, I think it's, it's it's worth noting. It's published. It's out there. And uh, what do you think, there, Dave? Have you, have you seen the report yet? I have seen the report. Yeah, um, yeah. I haven't read through the entire thing. Basically, I'll be I'll be honest because I found out about it like I don't know ten minutes before the show. I sort of scrolled through, looked at the pictures, uh, <laughs> you know, which is fine if it challenged what I already knew to be true from what I see in the world around me. I, I would probably have been inspired to dig a lot deeper. But basically, they found out links are still really important. <laughs> like, no. Before people question whether Eric knows what he's talking about, <laughs> they, um, they're studying tens of thousands, the results from tens of thousands of queries. Um, they aren't doing like 50 or 60 queries, recording that in an Excel document and drawing conclusions from that. Um, 27,000 queries were used to come to the conclusion that, in fact, there is a very high... Um, Correlation between links and strong rankings. Yeah, and are you surprised? Oh well, well I mean, not at all. I mean, yeah. <laughs> people keep people keep wanting Google to move away from um, links as the, the the basis of the of their ranking formula, and um, I 
I don't know why they want Google to move away from that because it's actually proven a really reliable method um, of, of determining what is and is not uh, 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 you know, um, 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 good information. And yeah, it's easy enough to manipulate, but it's also Google's gotten very, very good at um, filtering out that manipulation. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, and we talked about it before, the massive efforts that they have put into fighting link spam, like even now, and they're still talking about them and, you know, all the time, don't no follow this, don't no follow, right? Like, just this, this is a, a very, very common subject with the amount of times Google themselves bring it up and address it and build algorithms for it. Yeah. It's really important and it's going to be around for a while, right? Like, Google aren't idiots. <laughs> they were like, oh, we're about to replace it. Let's put, you know, millions of, of hours of engineer time into this. Um, kernel has been since day one, the kernel of the ranking of the, 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 the ranking formulae yeah. has always been the veracity and number of links that come into a site. Now, I mean, Google adds um, hundreds, if not thousands of other factors to the mix. But links are the foundation. They are. Um, I understand it. I'm sure a lot of our listeners do. I understand the instinct to go, come on, Google, like you need to get rid of links. I like even I kind of agree that a lot of our social to go back to the link as a vote kind of side of things going to that. There's a lot of other ways that we vote right with with for content, you know, and, and, and actually you're trying to drive traffic to it. Social media is another great example, right? So if you're not going to use that, you're not getting all the votes, um, you know, kind of, kind of side of things, but, um, you know, and especially with so much of search going mobile more and more that's happened, like where people like me who would have shared are now sharing on social. I know I just purged a bunch of our old blog posts. I was like, Oh yeah, right. Because they were like, 20 word blog posts. Cause I was using my blog just to funnel out, what was going on in search because Twitter didn't exist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so people were using RSS feeds and I was just firing them out in our blog and we got lots of traffic as people, you know, from, from readers and stuff. Cause I was using it like that. So now I use social media. Well, you know, this, this is a, a different thing. So I, I do get the argument, but the fact is I'm not here to argue with Google about what they should do because they know a lot more about this than I do. I'm here to go, ah, this is what they do. Now I need to make sure my clients have links. <laughs> I already was, so this is a confirmation that's still very, very right to a high level of correlation. So now, if you, um, if, 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 if what we just said isn't good enough for you, go read the report, <laughs> because it exists, and he actually spent time writing it. <laughs> but bottom line, like honestly, he's right. <laughs> yeah, and, and it did inspire one thing, and I've got to go in and start looking up um, what quadratic mean Spearman correlation, which is what he keeps referring to, and I'm like, okay, what kind of correlation is that? So anyway, so there's a little side project for me to do after the show today, uh, but we've got, uh, I don't know, maybe time for like one more news piece before we have to go to break, and uh, and then we have the opportunity to pull on Mr. Uh, Mr. O'Reilly and talk to him about a bunch of things. Okay, one more thing. If you uh, remember last week, uh, we and you know pretty much everybody in the in the search industry reported on the uh, knowledge panel hack that's been around since 2016, but finally got like noticed by Google recently. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to make yourself the sexiest man in the world, you can't do it anymore. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I mean you can, but it's going to take a lot of self work. Right. You can't just go <laughs> mess with Google. <laughs> that oh, probably for the no best. offense, like no offense, but. <laughs> Um, okay, so 
you used to be able to like take control of uh, the knowledge panel um, under 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 certain circumstances. You no longer can because Google has fixed it. Unfortunately, we don't have time to really talk about this much more because sitting in the wings in our virtual green room is the one and only um, broadcasting and advertising legend, Terry O'Reilly, author of uh, the books Age of Persuasion and Under the Influence. Um, we are going to be back with Terry O'Reilly in a few minutes. Uh, on behalf of Dave Davies from Beatsock Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, and you are listening to Webology on WebmasterRadio.fm. Stick around. We have a truly Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Celebrating the best in online advertising, the Web Marketing Association presents the 2018 Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Submit your banner ads, email ads, rich media, online newsletters, websites, and social media campaigns now by going to www.iacaward.org. Deadline for entries is January 31st, 2019. All winners will have their entry highlighted on the Internet Advertising Competition website, as well as receive a handsome trophy to display or a personalized certificate of achievement. Be honored among your online advertising peers by submitting your entry into the Web Marketing Association's 2018 Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Go to www.iacaward.org now. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let WebmasterRadio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. WebmasterRadio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. You are now tuned in to the world's largest online radio podcast network for internet marketers looking to dominate the B2B marketplace. WebmasterRadio.fm WebmasterRadio.fm is home to some of the most respected authorities in all aspects of internet marketing from SEO to affiliate marketing to social media, e-commerce, mobile marketing, and so much more. Our hosts travel to all stretches of the world and speak to the impact players that are affecting our industry on air on demand and available on every mobile device that you can imagine this is webmasterradio.fm webmasterradio.fm we're everywhere there are over webmasterradio.fm is the destination for education entertainment and engagement Engage with our panel of on-air experts and peers by following us on Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can listen to WebmasterRadio.fm on air or on demand from our website or through iTunes, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts. 
interact, and stay informed. Just search for WebmasterRadio.fm. Cyberspace, the final frontier. These are the voyages of your new business enterprise. It's ongoing mission to explore strange new domains, <laughs> to seek out new sites and new monetizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. WebmasterRadio.fm. So logical. You'll go out of your Vulcan mind. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It is the 17th of January, 2019. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beatstock Internet Marketing. And uh, we are um, joined by a legend. <laughs> Sitting uh, just over there, somewhere else in Toronto, is broadcasting and advertising legend Terry O'Reilly. He's also in on this phone call. Um, listeners, of, American listeners might know him from the uh, podcast uh, Age of Persuasion or Under the Influence. Um, people who, who read books on marketing might know him from Age of Persuasion, How Marketing Ate Our Culture, published in 2009. And this I know, Marketing Lessons from Under the Influence, published in uh, 2017. This is his second time on Webcology, and uh, Terry O'Reilly, welcome back, and thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me back. It's been a couple years since since we've had you on Webcology. The um, internet has... I think evolved might be the right word. Devolved may also be the right word. It's certainly changed. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's had a, a, a tremendous effect on how we see ourselves as people, how we see ourselves as culture, and how we talk, to, communicate with, and talk to each other. Um, you have been in the advertising game since um, the nineteen since the nineteen eighties, I believe. Um, yeah, nineteen eighty one. I started. Okay. You uh, started a um, advertising production and um, a production company and studio, uh, Pirate Radio and Television, now Pirate Toronto, in 1990. About six yeah. years, so you, you stepped away from the day to day there. In that time, culture has changed dramatically. How have the way we structure commercials and advertising changed? Now, you mean when you ask me that, do you mean over the last five or six years? Yeah, well, we're primarily years? in the last five or six years. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. There, There's a lot of um, – it's not so much the delivery of ads that has changed that much, but the tonality has changed a lot. You know, I, I, I find this a very interesting era because going back to Super Bowls, we saw the first inkling of – advertisers taking a, a political or social stance, which I think is maybe one of the biggest changes we've seen because you have to understand something. For the last 100 years or more, advertisers have never wanted to take a stand. 
because it was an immediate fear that you would lose half your, your buying audience if you drew a line in the sand. So when we saw Budweiser and Airbnb and other advertisers uh, really creating ads for the Super Bowl, which is to say <clears throat> the biggest platform of the year, mm -hmm. going against President Trump's immigration policies, that was, a, that was a seismic change in the advertising world that I thought I would probably never see. Does it? Uh, this is. I, I apologize for asking uh, a value judgment here, but does it make you uncomfortable to see advertising take this take this uh, turn in tone? Well, that's a very interesting question. You know, we can talk about that recent Gillette ad because that's such a. Uh, oh, we will. I'm sure. <laughs> a, a, yeah, it's a it's a recent signpost in all of this. You know, companies are between a rock and a hard place when it comes to that subject, because if they don't take a stand, they get attacked as being purely commercial. And if they take a stand, they get attacked because they're commercial. So it's a tough place to be. And I think what it comes down to in many cases is yes, these companies are for profit, but I believe this is my feeling alone. I think a, a company can also be a good corporate citizen at the same time, as long as they walk the walk. As long as whatever the social issue or political issue is that they truly believe in it and, and make some additional efforts to prove that to the to the public. There is a um, an old quote um, attributed to um, um, HM HR Mecklen. Um, half my advertising dollar is wasted. I just don't know which half. Now, earlier you said uh, advertisers or brands didn't want to step out on a social limb. Um, for fear of, of, of alienating a, a chunk of their, the potential buying, buying uh, a potential consumer market, their, their buying public. This is an age where we can like measure and segment everything. Does that kind of calculation, we can afford to lose this segment because we're going to gain that segment. Is, is that a factor in, 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 in these decisions? I think so. I think for sure. I have to think that Gillette must have done some quiet focus groups to see, to take the temperature of that issue before they, they put out that big ad because they knew they were going to get a lot of attention. Again, it, <clears throat> it comes down to whether not only do you, does a brand walk the walk, but I think it also comes down to does the issue dovetail into their basic strategy or their basic brand. For example, when Pepsi did that Kendall Jenner ad around Black Lives Matter, it was such a disconnect that it seemed absurd. But when Nike did the Colin Kaepernick ad, I think that fit with, with Nike because Nike supports athletes and they always stand by their athletes. And I thought that was a very brave ad that Nike did because you have to remember, Nike is the official supplier of uniforms to the NFL. They weren't just an advertiser. They were, you know, in bed with, with the NFL and still put out that ad, which really railed against most of the NFL owners, right? No, we have a, our, our listener base. I mean, it's, it's fairly broad. We've got people all over the spectrum, but I know a big chunk of it is small to medium businesses, i.e. people who don't have the budgets of, of, of yeah. Gillette. What can they take from this, right? I mean, it, to me, it's like, okay, you know, you can sort of amplify the impact done right. If you've calculated it correctly, you can amplify the impact because we're talking about Gillette right now, right? Free advertising for Gillette. 
Um, yeah. How do smaller business, what can they learn? Smaller, medium, if, if your budget isn't Gillette, what can you learn and sort of take away from this and what maybe risks might you not see coming um, at you? That's a very good question. Um, the challenge for all small to medium entrepreneurs is getting attention. I think that's the, that's the crux of it. That's why I wrote my second book, by the way, because I wanted to give smaller to medium businesses the kind of insights that, that a very expensive advertising agency would give them. That, you know, I, I really aim that book as pe- for people who don't have a big agency, advertising agency on speed dial. So if attention is the oxygen of a small brand, attaching yourself to a cause can get you a lot of attention. So there's that lesson you can learn quickly. But I think you just have to, the, the key is that you have to walk the walk. In other words, you can't just attach yourself to an issue in your marketing. You have to attach yourself to an issue, like a principle isn't a principle until it costs you money, right? Right. So I think you have to show in other ways that you are really behind this social issue or whatever it might be. And when people see that it's not just a marketing, it's you're marketing your philosophy, but you're also practicing it in the, in your day to day business that then you'll get way less pushback and then you may enjoy additional attention. You're doing something good in your neighborhood or in your town or your city and I think people want to associate themselves with companies that are doing that are doing good, that aren't just out for a buck. And I think that in the end w- would help a small company. You just have to make sure that it's genuine. Well, you, you, you know what, you, you bring up a really good point. And I know uh, my wife had looked it up on a variety of retailers and then was like, okay, Gillette saying this. And then at the same time, you know, the, the pink version of the same blade costs a dollar more at every retailer, right? So there is that. Yep, and if you're not, you are going to be called out on it. Um, yep. So there will always be these blowbacks, either from people like my wife, who are going to like, you know, rant and did, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, about about sort of the, the hypocrisy there, if they're not actually walking the walk, or if there's exceptions. I mean, they might in, in total, but, you know, if there's, if there's little exceptions, if you didn't get all your ducks in a row, um, or just sort of social repercussions, what, what can people who are, right on the earliest planning stages or just about to launch a campaign that is taking a stand like that. How do you prep for that? How do you ready the time and resources to deal with that and and sort of make sure all your I's are dotted and T's crossed. And if you miss one, have a reaction team in place. Well, that that's just it. I mean, a small to medium company doesn't really have the resources to actually have someone or a, or a group of people full time to worry about that. In other words, that that's their whole job is to worry about that. Everybody's wearing a lot of hats in a small to medium company. But I think if you are on the on the cusp of attaching yourself to an issue, I think you need to do a big reconnaissance of all, of your entire brand and all your touch points, just and really be devil's advocate and say, are we falling down in any of these other areas? Where are we vulnerable? if we make this stand. I just think it, it really takes a little inventory to do that. I think all good companies should do that on a quarterly basis anyway. Take a real reconnaissance of all the touch points with your customers. Because not only social issues aside for a moment, I think good brands, <clears throat> smart brands, excuse me, <clears throat> um, want to make sure that all the touch points with their customers are smart and creative and and look for an opportunity to do something surprising and that everything's consistent and smart that you know the website smacks of the business card and the business card 
smacks of the logo of the the on hold message is as smart as the company is and all of that <laughs> which I'm always trying to get companies to do well that's, I mean there's a lot to think about there there's so many facets of our businesses um, from the way you answer the telephone or, or um, from what your, your, your customers hear when when you're unable to answer the phone to uh, the way you conduct business and how you um, uh, 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 treat your customers. There's um, never been a time when we could find out as much about small or large businesses as we can now and share information as consumers. How does a, uh, a large brand or, or a, a small to medium bus- uh, size business, um, how do their marketing teams keep up with what consumers are actually saying about them? Well, uh, the first and easy answer to that, of course, is to listen. I always say the best marketers are the best listeners. And I think a small to medium company in many ways has an interesting advantage over a large company in in this regard, that they probably have more face time with their own customers. A big firm like Nike is probably a couple of, you know, degrees of Kevin Bacon away from the actual (laughs) buyer of their shoes. Whereas a small company and it's, you know, a small to medium company in a town probably sees their customers every day. So that's a, that's a huge advantage, by the way, that's a David and Goliath advantage there that you can actually talk to your own customers, ask them questions, listen carefully to the answers because, you know, most of the learning lies between the lines, right? If somebody may say, like, for example, in my company, I would occasionally ask our best customers name, give me three things you love about our company and give me three things you hate about it. And the reason I would do that is I think people are very willing to give you the good things, but are hesitant to tell you what drives them crazy about you. They don't want to insult you or whatever. So by giving them an opportunity to say three good things and three bad things, I really got the three bad things in the list. And that was what I was really more interested in. Because you can't fix something until you know it's there, until you know it's a problem. And some problems only exist to your customers, not to you. you you're not dealing with yourself as a, as a customer, right? So I always think it's good to, to check the oil all the time in your business. Well, that takes some, that takes some really thick skin because you have to be prepped <laughs> to hear something yeah, you don't want to hear. Um, yeah, and you, you know deal what? Sometimes it, sometimes it was a sometimes it was a big thing, and and it was kind of crushing to hear. But I have to say, in my experience of running a company for o- over twenty five years, most of that feedback were small, little, irritable things that drove our clients crazy. Very fixable, but we just didn't know they were irritants until our customer said, "You know, the one this thing that happens every time I do a job with you, it drives me crazy. It's this line item on your estimate, or it's." that this happens when we engage with you. Like it was just small speed bumps that were so fixable that I didn't know until I asked and then you had to listen. Like I always say, you know, when you get feedback, you don't want to stick handle it. You want to listen. You have to be Switzerland when you're asking for feedback. And so how, would you, how would you address if you can't? Because you, you may hear responses back that, and I'm sure it happened to you where you're like, yeah, there's, there's kind of nothing I can do about that, right? Like where you'll hear it, but it's a necessary robot for whatever reason. How, yeah. how do you communicate with your client? Because I, I think it's great advice 
and I always like to have that, okay, but if it goes sideways, what do I do? And that's a scenario I can see that, okay, that may happen. What do you do in, in that scenario? That's a very insightful question you're asking there. What happens if the irritant is impossible to fix? I'm trying to think if I had that occasion in my career where there was a big obstacle that I just couldn't fix. Nothing springs to mind, although I will say this. My instinct is if I was faced with that, I would probably have a sit down with the client and really just explain why it is, why it's impossible to change, and can we make anything else easier to make that thing seem less of an irritant? Like I would really try and... And, and really explain, rather than just you know, ignore it or say, sorry, that can't, I would really want to sit down with the client and say, here's why this is from our point of view, why we can't change it. I need you to know this, but give me your feedback. Is there something else we can do? Like I would just try and and come to some point where we're, we're not, it just shows we're trying to listen. We're trying to change it. I think a lot of advertising and a lot of, um, uh, working with clients is is about listening and about relationship um, developing relationships uh, either relationships with our potential customers or again relationships with our, our direct clients um, Seth Godin wrote that um, advertising is storytelling yep in a uh, technological in an, or I'm sorry in an, in an age where technology is evolving so rapidly when the way we communicate, um, seems to change year to year or even quarter to quarter. How has how has basic storytelling been affected? One of the uh, my show this week kind of is a, an answer to that in some ways. So my episode this week is about the history of commercial lengths. So it goes from the very first radio commercial in 1922, which was 10 minutes long, by the way, all the way down to one minute to 30 seconds to 15 seconds to 10, and now to five and six second commercials. And I explained in this episode this week why those changes were. It was all pop culture. It wasn't advertisers. It was pop culture influencing the, the lengths of commercials. But what we've had to struggle with as an industry is how to tell a story in increasingly smaller increments. Because telling a, telling a story in 60 seconds is so much easier than telling it in 30. Writing a 30-second TV or radio spot is a really, really difficult thing. Give me one minute anytime, because that gives me so much time to, to build a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end, and an arc, and a product feature in it, and a little couple of backup points. And then when you move to 15-second commercials, it, it's another form of storytelling, which is more of a... Um, like a, uh, a one-line joke, if you know what I mean. It's got more of a stunt feel to it. And then when you're getting into, uh, as we mentioned, five-second commercials on YouTube trying to beat the skip button, which Geico pioneered, by the way, with their unbelievable mm -hmm. campaign, which was so smart. It's, it, the question is, can you tell a story in five seconds, six seconds, ten seconds? And if you can, is it still persuasive? Because remember, in the advertising business, the job is to persuade somebody to consider that product during their next purchase, to convince them that that product's worth looking into. And I've always said persuasion takes time. That's always been my mantra from the beginning, the early days of my career. I'd rather have a minute to sell you this, this, uh, this computer than 30 seconds. So Indeed. the question uh, uh, becomes, as you get smaller, can you be persuasive? I remember um, 
I was listening to a segment on uh, on the radio earlier today about Gillette commercial, and they were um, the callers were criticizing micro parts of the commercial. And I remember thinking uh, they were criticizing the, the the part where the 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 father breaks up the the rumble between yeah. the two children in the backyard. And that part of the story wasn't explained quite very well. That seemed to be somewhere that that people opposing the commercial seemed to key on. And I remember just thinking, wow, if um, you expect them to write that little micro segment of of this commercial better, you obviously haven't written a 30 second commercial. (laughs) That's very difficult. Um, Speaking of time, we are constrained by time and we have to go to commercial. Terry, can we get you to stick around for a few minutes while we take a commercial break? Absolutely. Friends, um, stick around. We have Terry O'Reilly here on Webcology, but we got to take a break. So on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You are listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 17th of January, 2019. Stick around. we got Terry O'Reilly coming back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Podcasting at the speed of sound. WebmasterRadio.fm, the flamethrower. WebmasterRadio.fm, we're everywhere. Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. We're back on Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. We are entering the home stretch. It is the uh, 17th of January, 2018. Or 2019, Dave. I'm so <laughs> sorry we had to go to break. I know you had a question you wanted, you wanted to get in. I did. It, it, it hardens to a night. You know, I mean, I'm excited. We're going to talk about why I'm excited because I know I'm about to to maybe change what I'm about to to state on one of my favorite episodes I've heard so far from Under the Influence, and then one of the my my favorite lessons. Um, and we're talking about commercial time and talking about the shrinking of commercial time. And you told a story, Terry, about a, a brilliant strategy that reduced that commercial time by Miller 
to one second and was what? probably one of the most effective David beating Goliath and, and getting some free marketing. You know, I'll just let you tell it because it's, it's brilliant. What did Miller do with a one second commercial that could what? dominate over massive players? Well, I have to remember that story now. That's a while back. Um, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong now. I just have to remember that story. That was, they did that around Super Bowl time. Am I right about that? They did. They did. Yeah, it was yeah. for a, a one-second Super Bowl spot because it was a yeah. save you money. <laughs> I mean, think about how bold that move was because Super Bowl advertising is anthemic as a rule. People do big, big spots. You know, you know they do. They spend lots of money. It's five million bucks this year to buy thirty seconds. So to to enter that space with a one-second ad. <laughs> is is really outrageous and i think the fact that it was one second in a super bowl uh space got them so much attention let alone what the content was the boldness of the idea got them a lot of attention and that that a lot of times it it, it is that it's like you know we did a campaign for a group of nuns once i don't know if i ever told you this story or if i told you this last time which is very interesting we got a call from a group of nuns who said, we listen to your show. We like your show. We have a, we have a branding problem. And I said, wow, that's uh, fascinating. What, what's the problem? They said, well, you know, we don't wear our habits anymore. Right. So people don't know that we we still exist. You know, when you were growing up, if you saw a nun across the street, you knew immediately was a nun, but now we don't wear our habits. So we've lost our branding. We've lost our awareness. Can you come up with a, a, an idea to help, you know, get us awareness and, and uh, you know, if there's women out there that have a spiritual calling that they know they can call us up and talk to us about it. So anyways, we ended up putting a, a bus board inside buses in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, which is where the nuns were, but we put it on the ceiling, not yeah. on the sides of the buses, but on the ceiling. We had to convince the bus company to do it. And it basically said, if you're looking for answers, you're looking in the right direction. And then the logo of the nuns. Right. But it was the boldness of being on the ceiling that got us the press. So all newspapers from coast to coast did stories on the fact nuns were advertising and that they were on the ceiling of buses. So the boldness of the idea got us the press. That's that's really quite quite ingenious. You already know that and it got the traction. That's why you got the press. But I, I yeah. I, flabbergasted and, and, and sort of going, right, of course, makes perfect sense when you say it. I probably but never would know, have thought the, of it. But, but the, key, the key thing there is we got the message out, but beyond the message, we got the press. And once the press picks up on a campaign, it's like your, your, your advertising budget quadruples overnight once you get some press. And that's probably the ambition of everybody listening to our show right now is because it's free marketing. Right. You pay for you pay for some, you got the rest for free. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I talked about it and it, it stuck with me. There's there's certain stories that you've told. And it's it's why I love your podcast, because they're stories that I can follow and be entertained while I'm learning. Um, one of them that, that I know uh, Jim and I have talked about um, shortly after was um, your episode on driverless vehicles and talking about here's the industries that'll win here's the industries that'll lose right you know i mean you mentioned you know driving lessons well <laughs> you know <laughs> those tools are kind yeah. of not going to be as important now if we're all in in driverless vehicles are there other technologies 
that you're sort of seeing come up or, or different methods and, and, and environmental conditions that are really going to impact um, some industries and create new opportunities, new, new places for us to be, new, new things for us to do that we might not even be predicting now. Um, you know, you were talking about building, you know, into these driverless vehicles, no reason you can't have a rowing machine, right? Like, right, of course there oh, is. <laughs> um, so are there other things that we might not be seeing? Well, the inside of cars in an autonomous world is fascinating because you could build little offices in there. If you're not having to steer or brake or watch for traffic, you, you've got all the time in the world to do whatever you want to do. So as you were saying, you could have, you could have a Stairmaster machine in your car. You could have an office. You could have a meeting. You could drive, invite three people into your car and you have a meeting where everybody's on their laptops, having meetings. I mean, the, the implications of an autonomous car are incredible. Also in that, maybe in that same conversation, what's interesting is, uh, you know, all the smart devices like Alexa that are coming into the, into the fold now where they're, they're, the uptake on them are quite substantial from what I've been seeing. And what I think is interesting to me from a marketing point of view is that um, brands can pay to be the solutions. So, for example, you could say, hey, Alexa, I've got a mustard stain on my shirt. How do I get it out? And Alexa says, here's what you do. You take, you know, half a cup of Tide, put it in the machine, do this, this, and this with it, and that'll get the stain out or whatever it might be. You know, Tide is paid to be the solution there. And that's a whole new world there. I, I think a lot of people maybe wouldn't know it, wouldn't realize that the brand is paid to be positioned with Alexa, and uh, it's a whole new source of revenue for smart devices. Interestingly, this is likely the community that's going to muscle their way into, uh, or going to try to muscle their way into um, into purchasing that space. <laughs> um, we only have time for that's a couple right. more questions. And, and one of the things about the community that listens to this show is they're constantly asking, how do I do that? Um, we, this, 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 many of the people listening to our show are digital marketers. <laughs> Um, looking forward in, in the um, path of a advertiser or marketer's career, are you a sociologist or a futurist? Which hat do you think you have to wear most frequently? <laughs> <laughs> your questions are uh, really, really good. I would say sociologist always. I don't think anybody has a crystal ball and I'm always afraid to answer crystal ball questions because, because everything changes so quickly and you can get caught so flat footed in a month and a half with your prediction. So I, I've always said that Mark and what fascinates me about my industry and business is it's the study of human nature at the end of the day. And I think that it's the study of the unchanging man and or woman, if you follow me that the, the essence or the crux of marketing is to study the things that never change. Not all, even though we're in an era of flux and digital disruption and so much change, it's the part of humans that never change that advertising should really appeal to. Meaning, we all want to succeed and we all want to provide for our families and we all want to have a tire that has the right tread in icy conditions because it's a safe thing to do. We all want to have some entertainment in our lives because there's, you know downtime is as important as uptime. And all of those things 
that's really what marketing is. It's the study of human nature, that it doesn't matter what race or country or creed, that the essence of a person is ne- does not change. So of- if you ask me what, what to study in a changing world, I'd say study the, the parts of people that do not change. Uh, we we have just been granted a couple minutes extension from studio. Thank, thank you, studio. Um, one of the things I um, I get out of your show is a sense of um, optimism. I always get a sense of optimism when I listen to to listen to your uh, radio broadcasts or or your podcasts. Um, is can marketing, can advertising, or should marketing ad- advertising be a force for good in the world? Yes. I think it I think it absolutely should and I think I think it only makes good business sense I think it makes you a good corporate citizen as I was mentioning earlier I think a for-profit company can be a good citizen it doesn't just have to be the nonprofits they just have to walk the walk again as I said earlier I I think the transparency is a big part of that question that I worry about algorithms and things that happen under the waterline when people are being tracked online, I don't think that's good for the business. I think it's bad. It, it, it's, it drains the good out of advertising when people don't know they're being hunted online. So I have those fears. But if you ask me as a rule, I'd say advertising can be used for good because they have big platforms. So here's the thing. When Gillette has a big platform and they're spending millions and millions and millions of dollars, dollars and they're tackling the subject of bullying, that's a, that's a lot of media money behind a very necessary message. Now, I mean, I, I've got to give you a hint for, for our listeners. I know we've only got uh, got a minute left here. There was a well, your 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 podcasts. I, I was super excited. I, I found out about this. I don't know, maybe a week ago, and immediately like sort of jumped in because the first glad I think is out there. The box set. Basically, people are about to get access to a lot more of your podcasts. What can you? Tell us about that, and where can people go uh, to listen to the thing that I'm entertained by virtually every day? Well, thank you for that. So we're very excited about this. So all of our archives are under the influence, which were never previously available. They were always behind a paywall. Are we releasing them for free now? And uh, so that's seven seasons, over 140 episodes are free. So if you subscribe to our podcast, we're going to slowly roll out all the archives in our podcast feed. So right now, most of season one, going back seven years, has been rolled out and then we'll continue throughout the course of the next couple of months. So everything we've done is available at no charge on our podcast feed. And and for a listener, like we were touching on a subject and I'd actually fired it over through, through Skype to Jim because you're talking about the things that never change. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, biology then. It's not sociology, it's not futurism, right? Biology. And for our listeners, if you go back, because we, we think of marketing as an ever-changing thing, I, I'm, I'm listening to, to season one right now, and there are gems in there that you can apply and are highly valid and have led to some really great discussions for me. Um, it, is, it is highly worth listening to. So for our listeners, um, head over, find it, subscribe. It is 100% worth it. Uh, Terry, I, I think they're about to put the hook... Uh, music on yeah. it but thank you so 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 much for coming on it is a pleasure to have you on a second time and I, I hope we can have you on again well thanks for having me and those questions are really you made me think on every single one of those so I appreciate that
Well, if we, if we can get you to pencil into your calendar three years from now, we really want you back on yeah, again. Okay, <laughs> um, actually, hopefully not so long in the future, but thank you so much yeah. for, 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 for spending time with us today. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Dave. Friends, that was uh, the one and only Terry O'Reilly. Um, you've been uh, – how do you – Dave, how do you follow that segment? I mean, goodness gracious, eh? I don't know. We're going to have to work at it. Uh, I don't know. Next okay. week, I, I hope it's kind of half as good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Okay, we've got to get out of here. We've gone full circle, full clock. Friends, you have been listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm on the 17th of January, 2017. Special thanks to Terry O'Reilly. On behalf of Dave Davies for Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger for Digital Always Media. Stick around webmasterradio.fm. There's some great content coming up after the news. Stay safe, stay focused. We'll talk to you next week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.